You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 612, University Challenge with Amal Rajan, Taylor Swift's Billion Dollar Tour, Bell and Sebastian in Brighton, and Fish and Chips for Millionaires. That's all coming up after Hue and Cry and Looking for Linda. I really love Pat Kane's voice, and mm. if you do too, they're performing live all around England and Scotland over the coming months. This reached number 15 in the UK in 1989, Hue and Cry and Looking for Linda. That's a great tune, mm. isn't it? I don't know if they have many other hits. That's the I sort of... If Ordinary you me Angel. Ah, oh, um, yes, I have heard of that, actually. I was going to say, if you suck a gun to my head and ask me to name yeah. three songs, I could probably do those two, but I'm not sure I could do any others. But yeah, it's a, it's a great song, I think, and it's got a... It packs quite an emotional punch to it, doesn't mm. it, really? I really like it. Well, hello and welcome to Parish Council, episode 612. I'm Terence Stackham, and... It's a sensitive subject, I know, but everyone's <laughs> concerned about this. Have Coots closed her bank account? Let's ask Juliet Harris. 
I live for these intros and that is possibly the best yet. I remember some years ago, I won't name the person because they've since become a published author, bizarrely, but um, some years ago I was involved in setting up a WI in St. Leonard's. And yes, you did hear that right. I've had some crazy adventures, Sir T, but yes, I set up a WI called the Wonky WI with two friends of mine and we were accidentally quite successful. 77 people turned up to our first meeting. I had agreed to be treasurer. As I said to someone, it was more like running a hedge fund than I'd anticipated. But I did laugh when we wondered what sort of clientele we would attract and what sort of audience we would have. One person that presented me with their subscription check, it came from Coots. So uh, so we had go. some unexpectedly classy people. But anyway, um, yes, unfortunately, I believe that that could see my business as low priority. <laughs> if only I still had my Halifax Young Saver account that you got a free money box in the shape of a house with. That would have seen me right. Hello, everyone. Um, Jules, we've discussed University Challenge before, but that was we apparently have. Uh, it was back in October 2013. <laughs> I can't believe that. I wasn't even permanent around these parts That's at that right. point. I I was just a, what I believe you showbiz types would refer to as a turn at that, <laughs> at that time rather than necessarily your uh, your uh, tag along co-host. In 2013, Jeremy Paxman was in the middle of his run as presenter. He, he mm. actually was in the chair for 29 years. And before Paxman, Bamba Gascoigne was the host for 25 years. So 10 years on from our last review, we watched University Challenge again this week with new host Amal Rajan. Mm. Um, clearly, they're using the same chair used by Jeremy Paxman, who is a tall man, as Rajan <laughs> yes. looked tiny in his chair. He looked like a toddler sitting at the dining table for the first time, just his chin Great, just poking really. up above the top. Bless him. They did need to get him a bigger chair. Yes, or, or give him some cushions or something. So yes. with, with his crooked tie and his hands full of gold with rings and a look at me watch, Jules, how did Amal Rajan handle his first show as presenter of University Challenge? Well, I've got to be honest. Well, I think I'm I'm quite surprised. I I was willing to. I was very skeptical about him. I think I've been skeptical about him on this podcast before, and I was willing willing not to like it. But um, actually, it showcased his qualities that I thought. Um, uh, his more likable qualities as a Today presenter, actually. So he currently um, presents for sort of outside the UK view, uh, listeners. He presents BBC Radio 4's Today programme, which is the uh, breakfast time current affairs and news kind of programme that, that that takes place every weekday morning. And I listen to it because it's my radio for is my alarm clock. So I tend to set it and it goes off. Um, it goes off at the same time, which means we're always we're always um, woken up in despair by Sunday worship on Sunday oh. morning. So that's never and there's always a boy oh, seems to wake good. up at the point of really loud singing as well. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um when I hear a, a Mirajan on uh, today, um I get frustrated we, we we get frustrated by his poor diction, which was my main yes. concern that would scupper him here. His inability to pronounce uh, names properly, he can't do that really. Yeah. However, what he's really good at and he is an occasional unlikely standing on the one show and actually does quite well, is that whenever they have um, what I would call sort of human interest people on. So sometimes campaigners who might have lost relatives and are campaigning for cause or something, he's a very warm and kind and empathetic interviewer I think mm. I think he's very nice to people and actually I thought he brought I got sick of Paxman being so supercilious all the time I'm mm. not convinced he would have known stuff it wasn't written on the card it, I, I found that all that shtick very tedious and actually I enjoyed Amal Rajan's contrast of congratulating like the, the girl that got the classical mm. music off one bar he's congratulating contestants for really good um, uh, sort of answers answers his kind of you know his 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 joy at there being cricket content i thought he was a very friendly presence actually he did very well at reading the file it was a, it was a very exciting heat and we've i i know from the sort of people in the industry that they often front load these things with an exciting one to start and um i thought he did very well at reading very quickly um i won't spoil the sort of outcome but it was very close and he was very good at kind of shouting the questions out increasingly quickly as the as the Roger Tilling, the announcer that um apparently gets email requests every week from people wanting him to read their name and college.
issues, regardless of whether or not they are up on university <laughs> challenge. Increasingly strangulated, exciting sort of calls of contestants' names. I thought this was pretty good. I thought he was pretty good. I agree. The set makes him look ridiculous. The set looks cheap. I thought this this redesign of the set was really poor. However, I thought Amo was a likable presence. I again, I liked his kindness to the contestants. And yeah, I just, I just wish. Um, I don't know. I, I, this sounds awful because it sounds like I'm criticising how he looks, and I'm I'm not meaning it from that perspective. I mean it from the perspective that it's genuine, genuinely distracting at times. Either make sure he looks at the right camera, or one of those pairs of corrective lens glasses and a bigger chair would would work mm. for me with Amol, I think. But um, I enjoyed him more than I thought I would. I always enjoy shouting along with University Challenge. That's a hobby of mine. And I thought he did well. So I'm willing to give him a chance. And he irritates me less than Paxman. So that's a win as far as I'm concerned. Well, we don't often disagree. I don't, oh, not, no! I'm not going the exact opposite direction. But no. I've got a bit more... You're less of, convinced, yes. Less convinced. Um, but... Before I talk about Raj, mm. by the way, I know it's a bit of a minefield in these non-gender times, but to find only one woman in a combined total of eight contestants through the team, mm. two teams, a bit disappointing, but maybe that gets balanced out throughout the series. Maybe It might be. It might well be, yeah. No, you see, you say that he was kinder. One of the first um, questions answered was um, in, answered incorrectly, and... Rajan kind of sneered at the student. He said, "Gone with the wind." What? Oh, well, yes, that was that was not a good look. Having said I, that, he didn't do it again, so I wonder if he did. So I wonder, maybe it may have been nervous. Yes, um, but I did. I did hope, as you mentioned, that that would that was a trait that Paxman had that I hoped would yes. be left behind. Because it, as you infer, it's easy to be a smart Alec when you've got the answer in front yes, of you. Yes, quite. But you, you see, you've mentioned it already. I don't listen to him on Radio 4, so I didn't know mm. about this, but you mentioned it and I picked up on it. Might have been first episode nerves, but he doesn't enunciate clearly. No. Sometimes he has this kind of slurred London street style of speaking. Mm. And I think that, that didn't help at all. But that's my no. own, that's only my negatives mm. about Amal. Um, yeah, the students, that contestant... Um, uh, Henderson, the lady Henderson, yes. answering the music-based question almost before I know, they played clip. Yeah, exactly. Was it was, it was, it was, it was incredible, and and he was genuinely impressed by that. I yes, thought, and was. I can, yeah. and he strikes me as someone who I can imagine would be nice to them afterwards. So mm. I'm, ha- I'm willing to get. Let's oh, give. We'll give, give, give well, right, we'll Our jury is out on Amal at yeah. the moment. I think. I took against Senny Headhera, captain of Manchester, who was oh, very yes. full of himself. He made it all about him. I think it was another yes, example of main character syndrome, maybe. Mm. And also, when conferring with his two buddies of Manchester yes. next to him, he kept excluding De Los Reyes White, who was down at the end yes, of the row. Yes. Uh, that boy, that chap may as well have been on the moon for all the attention his teammates paid. Right. Him. It was pretty frustrating. But, it was a very exciting episode, as you say, mm. with an equally exciting outcome. Um, I have to mention two great names in the credits. I don't know why I didn't particularly. Oh, I think I think you I think you might we might be on the same page, but uh, go on. Executive producer Pinky Chambers. Yes, we noticed Pinky. Yeah, and series producer, wonderful name, Claire Parody. And as I said to my dad when I saw that, well, you couldn't make it up. Oh. See, I got a, I got a lukewarm reception from him, so I'm glad to get a warmer <laughs> reception. What I thought was a very good joke. Thank you, Sitter. That was very good. Two great names. University Challenge, it's on the BBC iPlayer and continues on BBC Two on Monday evenings. Coming next, the mind-boggling sums being generated by the Taylor Swift tour and hmm. the emotional exhaustion of pop fans. That's right mm. after Mac DeMarco. As I'm getting all the chip up on my shoulder, blowing through life, you roll over and die. La 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 la
I rather like this. Um, this uh, well, it was an answer on University Challenge. Um, this sort of shoegaze inspired modern kind of pop. Um, I like a lot of these kind of. I think there's there was chill wave at one point. There was vapor wave. Lots of this kind of laid back. Um, this reminded me of Courtney Barnett, who regularly this is where I like very much and have been to see a few times. Um, this is great. I just really like this. And um, the full name is absolutely incredible. Mm. So this is Mac DeMarco, or to give him his birth name, uh, MacBriar Samuel Lanyon DeMarco. And we're spelling MacBriar, M-A-C, large B-R-I-A-R-E. Indeed. And that's I, something, I, isn't it? That's a it, name. And that was called Salad Days, and I like it very much. He's a bit of an eccentric fellow. I see his latest album. I didn't know much about him, so I was looking him mm. up today. I see his latest album is something of a departure. It has 199 tracks on it. Yes, and... it doesn't surprise me. And this is he's he's an interesting title. It turns out that is not even his real name. Um, Mac Briar Samuel Lanyon DeMarco was actually born Werner Winif- Winfield McBriar Smith the Fourth. Well, so there is a lot going on. Also, enjoying like his Scrabble set. All, oh, just absolutely! It's, it's a yeah, very, it's... very long day. Also, you've got to admire anybody that calls their debut album too. I think that's quite a <laughs> quite a move, isn't it? And also, food fixated as well. Salad days. Not only have we got that, but it, he has a truly balanced diet. Five easy hot dogs from 2023 <laughs> as well, which is the um, which is the fifth studio album, and I believe is the one. That has um, oh no it doesn't have 119 tracks on it. this one's got 14 tracks on it but um it's it's written um it was entirely instrumental this came out earlier this year mm. and was recorded during a road trip from Los Angeles to New York so the tracks are given the names of where they were at the time when they were recorded so there's Gualala Gualala two Crescent City Portland Victoria Vancouver mm-hmm. Edmonton Chicago Rockaway so yeah perhaps not the most uh, straightforward person that's ever lived but uh, I enjoy Max's uh, slacker sound very much. You might, you know, anyone listening might have thought, well, an album with 199 tracks on it, well, that's not going to do anything. It actually reached number 56 on the Billboard 200 on the 5th of June this year. So I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I think there's obviously an audience for that kind of really thing. Is. In the age of streaming as well, you just put it on, well, don't you? Well, quite. So. Yes, I suppose so. Just put it on and... Yeah. Uh, uh, and there's about three, about six, seven, eight hours of entertainment for you there. Absolutely. Um, you know someone is a really major star, really major star, when their album and singles discography on Wikipedia need separate pages for each. Absolutely. And thus it is with Taylor Swift, only 33 years old, but it's worth recalling that her first album, for which she actually wrote or co-wrote all 11 songs, mm. was released 17 years ago when she was 16. And wow. it was it was very wow. much... Yeah, exactly. It was very much a country record, but it had many hints and clues to her later, poppier, rockier career. Mm. Since then, she's released 10 studio albums and 59 singles, most of wow. which are guaranteed to end up in the top five in the States and over here. The albums, of course, guaranteed to end up in, uh, at number one. Well, did uh, you have all 10 tracks at, in the top 10 on Billboard at one point or something? I think there was some record that she yeah. broke um, when Midnight's came out, I think. No doubt, because I mean, this week she's broken more records. She became the first woman this week to have four albums in the top ten of Billboard simultaneously. Wow. And also this week she overtook Barbara Streisand uh, to become the female artist with most number one albums in history. Wow, uh, that's incredible. Also, I would never have picked out as Barbara Streisand, by the way, as well. What an interesting mm-hmm. fact. You almost expect um, to turn on the news one day and find Taylor Swift is running for president. Uh, it wouldn't surprise, wouldn't surprise you know. me. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, and she might win. George, you, yes, she would. Yes, yes, tough opposition. Not and much. she wouldn't be bad either, I no. don't think. But anyway, well, she, you know, she can't be worse than previous fairly recent incumbents. Uh, I've got the feeling name. she'd be a Democrat, don't you? I don't yeah, think she'd I, be a Republican. Well, she was always quite quiet about her political affiliations, mm. I think, but then did come out against Trump. So, oh, um, there so we I, are. Think, so we I think yeah. she is. In the same way as Eminem was always quite quiet, but Eminem was very brave in being anti-Trump, I felt. And to some extent, Swift did as well, because they're, they're, a lot of their fan base, particularly from Taylor Swift's country mm. days, are very, very blue-collar. So, uh, so yeah, that's, there's, there's something to be said for that. Now, you've been looking into some of the startling statistics of Taylor Swift's tour, which is likely to be the first to gross over $1 billion. 
It's, I mean, it is mad, this. I mean, you know, if you're, if, you know, put your glasses on because your eyes might pop out otherwise. Um, this is from The Sense Maker, which is a very nice subscription email from Tortoise, the slow news site and app, which I would recommend. This is from The Weekend Sense Maker. Um, so this era's tour, the tickets for the European leg went on sale this week, set to be Beyonce's renaissance to become the first tour to gross over a billion dollars. Um, Elton Don's just completed Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour um, holds the top spot at uh, 939.1 million gross over 320 shows. That's a lot of shows, isn't it? But um, so if you want some pretty crazy numbers and facts um so the show the idea is that the show is it's sort of like a greatest hit show and it's a trip mm. through her 17 year career which as you say is just mind-boggling isn't it in 10 acts she goes on for even longer than springsteen three hours 22 minutes it, it sounds like a great show actually it's described as part broadway musical part catwalk show with surprise appearances from her a-list friends uh, apparently the set for eras takes so long to build that they have a spare production that leapfrogs each live date to go ahead and set up in the next location because it is so gargantuan that, that would be loop... such incredible planning and logistics oh i mean it's people itself. in headsets it's hundreds yeah. of thousands mm. of people in headsets and clipboards isn't it, it really um is. it just seems insane so if you want era by eras by numbers um 131 shows across 2023-24 in asia south america australia europe and the u.s 44 songs played per show, 11 outfit changes. It's like doing a podcast with you, Sati, um, including <laughs> custom outfits by Oscar de la Renta and Versace. Again, we wear nothing else to record this. Um, two rumoured breakups with the actor Joe Alwyn and the 1975 frontman Matty Healy. And there has been one album released during the tour so far, which is Speak Now, Taylor's version, because she's re-recording all of her previous albums. Um, and there's a lovely bit that's described here that's called Champagne Problems. So this is a quite an astonishing statistic. In the 1990s, less than a third of artists' income was was uh, generated through live events and tours. What do you think the proportion is now, Satie? I would think it's the vast majority. The vast yeah, majority. So, but, yeah, but you're right. Like 66, yeah. 70. 75%. So, yeah, mm. you're, you're about right. More than 2 million tickets sold in a single day for the US leg of eras. Um, Tate, as some people insist on calling her, and um, pocket between she she pockets between when you when you always try I think when we've talked previously try to work out gross mm. net and how much money people are actually mm. making off these things. According to this, she pockets between forty and sixty percent of the per show gross revenue, which is about four million pounds wow. a night apparently. Wow. So wow. she's probably making two million a night and around one million profit per show just from the merch taylor swift's merchandise even i wanted that cardigan it was amazing she's got this incredible knack she just knows her audience really really well and as this points out i mean you can't you can't begrudge artists wanting you know getting this live touring money spotify only playing 0.04 per 10 streams Mm. And uh, the uh, artist usually forks out for the whole shebang, stadium rental, the ticket service, dancers, support acts, fire promoter, middleman. Um, however, the ticket prices are... Oh, here we go. I mean, yeah. So so being a Swifty, I mean, obviously, we'd both like to be Swifties, City. I mean, I'm, I'm notionally a Swifty. However, I hope you're going to rummage around your sofa to get the ticket mm. money. So the average US ticket price, excluding resale for eras, according to Polster, was... $253. So if you compare this um, to, um, so we can compare this to her Speak Now tour, which she did in um, t- 2011. So obviously, as we know, she's been at all this for mm. some time. Um, so if we, if we say, um, so, so, so we're at $253. Um, the ticket price for Speak Now tour in 2011 was $83. That's wow. inflation and a half. That's that's three times as much, isn't it? That's how much has gone up. You know up. what though? That two hundred and fifty-three dollars, which is just to see mm. one artist for one yes. night, it makes me realise that Glastonbury is actually good value. Yes, actually, you, isn't you it? You pay that for four days and to see mm. about. 150 artists mm, i mean and also we've got the scourge of dynamic pricing again and um, someone made the good point to me the other day um 
I knew a lot of people that went to see Springsteen. In, I know a lot of people went to see Springsteen full stop, actually, because he did a run of, of European dates, including mm. a UK leg recently. Um, uh, lots of people I know went to see him in Paris. And I said, well, that's interesting. You went to Paris to see him. They went, yeah, um, I couldn't get affordable tickets in the UK because he uses dynamic pricing. Mm. So I went to Paris, which is easy enough to get to. It's no it's no more of a, we live in the South Coast, it's no more of a pain than going to Glasgow. They mm. said it was, it was, you know, reasonable. So I went to see him in Paris in the EU where um, ticket surge pricing and dynamic pricing is banned under well, European law, so that's uh, why people are popping on the Eurostar. I, I, you know, I, I would if Peter Hull was playing in, in France. It's tempting. Um, in the UK, um, if you want a nosebleeder, you can get you can get that for fifty eight quid. You can splash out one hundred seventy two next to stage standing. However, dynamic pricing very much playing a part here. I have a pal that was trying to get tickets um, for him, but I suspect for his family. Um, and I'm just trying to look this up because he he posted about this. Um, they were trying to get tickets. Um, uh, so he signed up for the waiting list to all the UK venues. Um, and um, he said, I registered for all UK IR, IRE venues. I got one code yesterday for two of the Wembley shows. I tried for about an hour after. And then he ended up, say, in the sort of the dynamic pricing. He said, the good news, you're off the wait list with Taylor Swift tickets. Less good news. The only ones available cost £662 each. Wow. So it's wow. it's something else, isn't it? And and it's difficult because I've spoken previously about the occasional travails of being a PJ Harvey supporter and mm. how occasionally prices there, particularly around her merch and her sort of signed stuff, seem to be rocketing and it seems to be sort of frustrating to be able to get hold of things. Um, part of me, th- part of me thinks, because I remember you saying to me and very pleased to be, surely PJ Harvey isn't aware of this and how it works. And mm. I, I suspect she might not be. And I and I think when you, you know, when you outsource stuff around you, then you're not aware. And part of me thinks, does Taylor Swift know that she's fleecing her fans like this or not? Because she's got a reputation as being very fan friendly. I mean, she's she's mm. always known for being generous and kind to her fans. And, you know, she always apparently has paid lots of fans sort of university fees. She, she goes around around GoFundMe anonymously donating. And mm. she has a very good reputation for that. Um, ironic, given that, you know, one of her albums is called Reputation, I think. But um, she um, but part of me thinks. I just I just become increasingly bewildered. You must know. Surely you know that you are running this massive, massive juggernaut cash cow. If you're getting two million quid net profit yourself per show, where's that money coming from? How, mm. You know, are people are artists like this? Have they become so disconnected that they're failing to interrogate where where income is coming from I, I struggle with it a bit particularly you know with artists like Taylor Swift and Peter Harvey both of whom I very much like and enjoy their music I just I find it tricky mm. no I totally understand mm. it, 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 uh, it would be because it's much more much more of a juggernaut I think I think the Peter um, Harvey because uh, it's uh, a different kind of fish, play, yeah. you know what I mean yeah I, I had I heard similar anecdotal uh, sort of evidence we call it that mm. of the amount of um, hoops from 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 a friend mm. hoops uh, fans have to had to leap through to get even close to being allowed yes. to apply for tickets quite extraordinary that they, they, as you say there have been pre-sale codes wait mm. lists, wait lists and special ballots um, but it, funnily enough almost exactly the same as the, uh, the tale I was told mm. by one of my friends who said that. Um, these uh, tempting VIP packages are sort of waiting yes. in front of you before uh, you you kind of go through to get the normal tickets. Yes. These VIP packages are essentially worthless because all you get is a souvenir. You're not going to meet Taylor Swift, are you? You're not going to meet Taylor not, Swift. Yeah. You're going to get a souvenir lanyard and a souvenir ticket. And apparently the... Um, the luxury of being able to go to the merchandising store before anybody else, which is oh, hard. For God's sake. So what you're effectively saying is, oh, yes, one of the treats you get for spending all this extra money is that you can spend even more of your money before anyone else does. Well, that, that's it. Exactly. I mean, there comes a tipping point where fans begin to turn, I think, against the artist, mm. but probably only briefly because yes. you know, we established a lifetime love of exactly. people. But, um, you know, if people feel they're being exploited or taken for a ride, I have to say it's one of my soapbox things. So the whole concert ticket Farago in general is out of control for fans and it's in the hands 
of corporate robbers who exploit that loyalty and love that I, I just talked about that people have for their favorite musicians it's of course it's supply and demand and at the top of the game demand is a thousand times greater than supply so the richest artists just keep getting richer and the ticket providers and secondary market agents join taylor swift on the list of billionaires mm, exactly exactly well there's more ladies and gentlemen there's more um juliet went to see bell and sebastian in brighton I did. and tom kerridge has opened a chippy in harrods oh uh, dear that's i mean this, this might go as well as this blokey salad that we once discussed on this podcast some years ago that's next after the splendid track from david Mead. songwriter from nashville it's just one of those quirks in music that he hasn't achieved greater success this is from his excellent second album mine and yours from 2001 david mead and girl on the roof excellent this is not the same david mead that was my lecturer at the university of east anglia on my law degree in the early 2000s if he's wishing, I, wish, I wish him well uh, both yeah. david mead's excellent in their own ways <laughs> when looking at the timeline of bands and musicians we sometimes remark upon how time does seem to fly by uh, another example of that is that it's now an astonishing 27 years since bell and sebastian formed as a band in glasgow don't tell in me that goodness sake. <laughs> i know most of the band members have been there or thereabouts since the beginning mm. and their albums continue to be well received sell very well in the uk they're just coming to the end of a british tour which was uh postponed from previous dates and jules Twice. you were talking last <laughs> week 
You went yes. on last night to the Dome in Brighton. Um, perhaps a slightly different experience to trying to get access to a Taylor Swift gig. Well, indeed, my pal bought these tickets. So the the, the t- going to see Bell and Sebastian, I've seen them twice before, once at the Dome before, actually, and once at the Delaware Pavilion in Bexhill. Um, they always invite fans up to invade the stage and dance on it um, during a particular song. I, for the first time ever, declined that opportunity this time. I'm very much enjoyed people of all ages enjoying that experience i've got lots i can say about it but um yes in terms of obtaining tickets in the cancellation saga we Mm. first got tickets to see them i think in late 2021 or halfway through 2021 Mm. my friend dave said oh they're playing should i get yeah should we get tickets um they're 35 pounds so this is a very different experience to going to see taylor swift it's it's very good to go to the dome which is a beautiful venue in Mm. uh in in brighton it was very interesting the band's observations stuart murder always a chatty pleasant fellow delighted to be back in brighton and uh and the dome is sort of near the pavilion and um and he asked sarah the keyboard player what uh amongst many other things multi-instrumentalist sarah martin what her favorite brighton thing was and she paused and said i like the Taj Mahal you have here <laughs> so uh, being the, <laughs> I've never heard of anyone refer to that before but it's lovely but um yes yeah, so um beautiful venue oh the staff are always immaculate at the dome I can't say that often enough where they were oh, they're always you know young and old they were really mm. friendly we were very impressed by the fact that there was an a separate designated alcohol free bar you could go to which we thought was good. quite impressive I like that. they had a good range of Big brewing drop, uh, 0% beers. A friend of mine went and bought some beer from there, enjoyed it very much. Um, it was uh, you know, a really lovely venue. Always very well organised, always very well regimented. Wristbands always done easily. Bag searches are quick and clean. It's, it's a great venue. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, these enormous arenas, these aircraft hangars being such a, a pleasant and relaxing experience. Um, so we uh, we saw them. And so the original gig, we 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 bought tickets in summer 2021 for january february 2022 that was postponed because right. the band essentially said which was completely reasonable um uh that they'd all so there's about eight of them that are in bell and sebastian now it's very much an all you know sort of an all single dancing thing um they'd all had covid at various different times and essentially what had happened was they hadn't been well enough to rehearse and they said we cannot do a three-week uk and ireland tour we, we just we, we we're not ready and it's like, okay fine because you know covid was still very much ripe at that point so that was postponed till november 2022 okay fine so we got ready to go in november 2022 <laughs> not always beforehand Stuart Murdoch is not a man that that has good health, unfortunately. I think he's had ME for some years. And he referenced on there was some sort of fall or something. There was some kind of illness involved and an operation, I think, or something. And it was postponed again. So it was, as he said at the beginning, we're delighted to be back. We're sorry we had to postpone twice. Thank you all for waiting. We very much appreciate it. It was really a masterclass in how to be lovely to a crowd, I think. Um, Their fan base is always committed. I was thrilled by the the variety of people there. We saw... We we spoke. I spoke briefly to a lovely man and his, I would say, teenage daughter. She didn't look very old, and he said, um, and he did say she was his daughter. And he said, I first saw them twenty six years ago, and I'm wow. delighted to report my daughter to them. There were lots of parents. There were kids. There were lots of older people, younger people. A lot of people that went up in the stage invasion had clean never been before. The mum with a handbag that waved excitedly at her adult kids from the front of the stage <laughs> is a particularly enjoyable moment. The support band Sacred Pause was superb. Um, Ray Ags, the, the singer from Sacred Pause, actually joined in in the stage invasion because it was their last day to the tour and their, their night off. So when I spoke to them afterwards, they were of the view, why not? And I absolutely agree. And <laughs> um, they played songs from and actually this there is a similarity to Taylor Smith's era's tour here and that they were ostensibly flogging a new album and actually hilariously as he said on stage they had quite a good lockdown and that they'd made two albums instead of one so this was meant to be flogging the two records they'd made during lockdown but because I, I suspect in acknowledgement of the fact it had been postponed twice 
they did a load of their early stuff and I wept in joy because it was oh, reminded me of being young and they were just they were just lovely and their backdrops were absolutely superb I put some photos up on social media it's on my Instagram at, at superjules 84 if you're interested um some incredible I didn't quite get my phone to take a picture in time for the Bell and Sebastian Dr. Test card that they had at the beginning but they had a their version of the BBC one remember the old clock they used to have that oh, ticked yes. around there? well they had a BNS one at the beginning that ticked down to their time on stage some oh. brilliant visuals um they played for quite a long time they came on pretty much bang on at nine uh, they went off at 20 past 10 25 past 10 they came back on and did two songs for an encore so so you got pretty good value i thought for your 35 pounds yeah. i enjoyed seeing the bell and sebastian jigsaws for sale on the merchandise stand <laughs> afterwards i did not partake on this occasion i have seen the all see you all dancing bell and sebastian um uh, sort of t- uh, tables before the venue the dome doesn't have a lot of room for merchandise compared to some venues so so it was a rather slimmed down merchandise so i did enjoy chatting with sacred pause and i bought one of their cds afterwards we were going to speak to them beforehand but the drummer seems to be having great difficulty putting some pin t-shirts on a board up on the wall but they did get there eventually but um it was it was a a joyful time from a really joyful band i think ben and sebastian both bands were very joyful they were well chosen for support and they'd said on the when they sort of thanked the support band on stage they said they'd been trying to get them for some time but it'd been sort of logistically quite difficult but yeah i i you know I hope that the Taylor Swift fans that want to see her that love her music and she means an awful lot to an awful lot of young women and I, I admire her that and and I you know I think that's really important. I really hope that they have the joyful experience that they managed to get their tickets and they have the joyful experience that we did during Bell and Sebastian, not least from the moment where they burst into a much loved B-side called Your Covers Blown, which I would never have thought they would have played in a million years. At one point, people were shouting out their request near the end and because uh, they always do because Stuart always goes, oh, now we're going to play another song and there will be like a a, a cacophony of people shouting song titles and um he said well you know there are 125 Ben and Sebastian songs we could play so you know you've got a one in 125 chance of it being <laughs> the next one but um during your covers blowing the Brighton Dome is a, is a as the name suggests it's a rather circular building right. and there is uh we were in the standing bit in front of the stage there's a seated bit downstairs and a balcony upstairs and during the stage invasion Stuart asked the balcony to wave so they didn't feel left out and there were a lot of enthusiastic <laughs> waving on the balcony um he'd obviously scoped this out beforehand that there was there's a there's a kind of a middle section that's a bit different to the rest of your covers blown and um he made a circle of the balcony i don't know how he did it but he managed to get off the stage he managed to work out he didn't touch the floor he went off the stage onto the balcony ran while still singing on a radio mic at this point i would like to point out ran around the whole balcony and managed to get back on the stage without having to go down on the floor and the only thing better than that was the indulgent look on sarah martin's face from the keyboards throughout as she watched her long-time bandmate and friend once again do something slightly <laughs> dark there was also a lovely moment where he went so it brightened it's friday night is it friday and she went in true sitcom wife star it's wednesday Stuart." and he was <laughs> genuinely convinced it was friday night but we did make it a friday night various crowd members pointed out that every day is friday in brighton so um so <laughs> it was it was genuine fun he showed genuine affection for the place it wasn't one of these things where um there's a little bit of chatter in between. Mm. I can imagine a Taylor Swift show is really good. It's also, I can imagine, as it has to be, given, you know, what you said about the stage setup, choreographed yeah. within a minute of its life, a second yeah. of its life. I can't imagine her forgetting what day of the week it is on stage <laughs> and having to be reminded by a keyboard player. Um, it was it was genuine joy. Um, you know, lots of chat about Brighton. Um, I just it, they showed real connection of where they were, and Stuart uh, Stuart Murphy is such a, a likable stage presence. It was really fun, and they're one of those bands who like I say, have kept their fans and now they bring their kids. And I think, although their sound has changed over the years, it was lovely to be able to see them again. I'll always go and see Ben and Sebastian. I have slightly less record, uh, sort of uh, recollection and interest in their newer records than I do their older ones. Mm. I think they sort of know that because a lot, because although they were touring a new, a new album, they did do some stuff. They did an awful lot of old stuff as well. And and I just thought it shows a lack of ego, I think, that, that they just yeah. want to give their fans a nice time. So big fan of Ben and Sebastian. They seem like really charming people. And uh, and it's 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 always a cavalcade of joy seeing them. And it was no exception. It was great fun. I'd recommend it. 
Oh, that's that's really lovely, and especially to be moved to tears in a gig is always oh gosh, a good thing. yeah, absolutely, Be- beautiful people, a beautiful sound, great. Now, before we go, there's a story this week <laughs> uh, that emanated from that controversial publication, the Radio mm. Times. Oh yes, um, I know they're always causing a scrap, oh, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Uh, they report. I am on a, a subscriber, by the way, so I am subscribing to this filth city. Wow, that doesn't mm. surprise me. No, uh, they reported on a, a Michelin chef who has been slammed, slammed. Oh, been slammed. I love it when people are slammed, slammed. when there's the language of the tabloids. Ban this sick stunt, I assume, is going to be the next headline. What's up? This this geezer is flogging fish and chips. Uh, You get eight chips, by the way, for £35. What? Oh, my God. This is Tom Kerridge, and he seems to have opened a fish and chip shop in Harrods in Knightsbridge. I mean, one one wouldn't expect that to necessarily be value. You're not getting that in a carrier bag with best save on it, are you? So I'm not surprised at the price. But eight chips, come on. Eight chips. The the, the big story, though, for me, Jules, is who is forcing these poor reluctant people into Knightsbridge and making them spend unwillingly their 35 pounds on a bit of fish and eight chips because I'm assuming no one has the alternative choice don't go to Harrods and don't spend 35 quid on eight chips quite I mean he's gone into great detail perhaps perhaps too great some might say (laughs) in this Daily Mail piece about um uh, well, that, that quotes the Radio Times. Um, it, it talks a lot about bespoke dining. He says people don't understand the pricing structure. It could be worse. It could be dynamic pricing. You could go there at lunchtime and they cost seven hundred pounds, and then you go in at midnight and it costs fifty p. I don't. Maybe that's something that we're going to have to deal with. I'm not sure. But um, he says um, it doesn't cost as much as your local chippy. It's because the fish in most chippies is frozen at sea in a big block a year ago, then cut up and portioned. The potatoes are maybe four weeks old, have gone through a chipper, been cleaned and put into cheap oil. They're wrapped in paper with malt, vinegar and salt. Personally, I think that sounds lush, but still, obviously, it's not what we're meant to be eating. He says that customers are served at Harrods is line court day boat turbo. Oh, OK. As a vegan, this means nothing to me. Starch content and hand cut. No, although the potatoes, I presume, have some. Uh, or I'd, some, or I'd uh, have the chips. Or have he, the chips. He's got form on this as well, unfortunately, it's a tea. I don't know where these things were flogged, but he's also sold £87 steak dinners and a £60 ready-made fish pie. Um, a, a, a row broke out on Instagram. Does it, uh, does it, um, anywhere else? Although, save our sub-editors. He shared a snap of the mal, apparently, on Instagram, and absolutely not the meal, which I assume that was meant to say. But anyway, um, it's made with his light and crisp gluten-free batter and served with triple-cooked chips. To be honest, if I'm only getting eight chips, I want them to be quadruple chips and made of gold, frankly. It's, um, although, as you say, very, very correctly, you know, lots of people are saying, you know, cost of living, this is obscene. Well, I mean, if people are going to be stupid enough to pay 35 quid in Harrods for a fish and eight chips, let them be parted from their money is probably what I'm I'm inclined to think. Now, if people want to pay, you know, again, I ate in a Michelin star restaurant all years ago now, 2016, I think it would have been um, in San Sebastian. I had a very nice meal. Um, about sort of nine courses or so and it was something like 230 quid I think and I went because it was at the top of a mountain I felt like a bomb villain I thought this is probably something I'm not going to do again in my lifetime or at least not until I am retired on a pension so um, so I, I will do this as an experience it was lovely it was a picky tea Sir Terence it wasn't really a big meal it was it was you know it was nine or ten courses of what's essentially picky tea there's small causes they're very posh they're very clever it's a picky tea so um so if people want to be spending 35 quid on what is essentially a picky tea um yes it's pretentious um someone said um go to the chip shop and pay a fiver yeah i do that i do think this is daft but then having said that tom carriage has clearly found found a daft audience whom he's willing to mine and and you know increasingly I'm never that sympathetic with scammers, but I think it's a common theme when we talk about grifter of the week here on Facebook. And I'm not necessarily saying um, 
<laughs> the Tom K is grift is a grifter. But when we talk about grift of the week, increasingly my sympathy is leaning towards the grifters who are just giving it a go, rather than the <laughs> the, the daft people who really should not be falling for this. In, in your rational mind, is however day court fish that's agreed to be in the fish and chips it good is? chips probably not if you sit and think about it rationally rather than wanting and you know what's going to happen people are going to go and they're going for the gram certi they're not going for a meal oh for certain i mean but i'm I'm on the side of the guy that you quoted that said you know just go down the chimney for a fiver yeah exactly this this stories always astound me if you don't mm. like the cost don't go it's and like it's, it's, it's like, like someone it's going to the Royal Opera House yeah. and saying, oh, no, I've spent my entire month's salary on Rigoletto. What am I going to do now? Don't go. This is it, I suppose. And I mean, there is an argument. I'm not sure that's quite light for light. And there's an argument to be said that opera should be more accessible and that those grand ventures should perhaps be a bit more price accessible. Having said that, though, I would I would have more sympathy with people complaining about this. If, for example, Tesco, uh, Tesco said, oh, um, Tom Kerridge is now in charge of doing our fish and chips. And by the way, our ready-made fish and chips have gone from 2 99 to £35 and there are no other options. I would have more more of an issue yeah. with that. Like you say, this is just the top end, isn't it? Yeah, you've got options. You know, the, the, on almost every town, on every parade of shops, there will be a chippy giving you uh, saveloyan chips or fish and chips for well, well, well under 10 quid. So yeah, but, And it'll probably there. be as nice yeah. maybe a bit but as nicer. you say you're going for the ambience you're, you're, you're strolling you're going into harrods oh look we're in harrods you're going to be looking out over knightsbridge and uh eating with the finest silver and a, you know, do we cloths and linen <laughs> here do we eat chips yes exactly oh man it's not good is it they better be good chips aren't they? i was Imagine. gonna say i mean they look quite nice but, they do um, in the but you know and it's quite fashionable now to have eight very big thick long chips i was yes. I, I follow quite a few foodie places on instagram and i came across somewhere in a, a cafe down in bath i think that that showed pictures and that had and i quite they pleased me so terrence because they'd arranged they'd stacked them so there was two by four of stacked chips on this plate big thick <laughs> chips and they looked great they looked huge they looked good value i suspect they weren't 35 pounds as well no the other thing i, I, I like my tiny fries you see matched oh yes they're quite nice yes i love those you can always worry about thick chips these like have they been cooked, they cooked all the way yes, through they might be lovely you know on the, the first little bite on the outside and then you suddenly come across a hard uncooked middle all no i that doesn't appeal to mm. me juliet quite yeah i I, you know it's a you know repentant leisure possibly shoestring fries they're the way to go yeah absolutely i mean why not both but yes maybe shoestring (laughs) fries have less risk attached (laughs) first course shoestring fries yes and to follow sir i'll have the triple cooked chips please do you know that sounds like a night out let's go i'll see i'll see down harrods that sounds great fully rounded meal for me that would be absolutely thanks very much for listening this week lovely to have you along Always an enormous pleasure. Thank you. Um, Jules, um, have, have you considered charging 35 quid to listen <laughs> to your radio show? I mean, it be worth the money, to be honest. I have occasionally considered charging if I have to buy new MP3s for the show, but I think that's probably a bit much. Maybe I should start a, a GoFundMe and then maybe Taylor <laughs> Swift might donate. Who knows? But in the meantime, because of lack of lack of that, you can hear me again doing smooth sailing this weekend. Um, you can hear me uh, from... Uh, 7 to 9 p.m. on uh, noiseboxradio.com. However, if you are out and about, I'm also moving amongst the general public this weekend. Sir I, say, I, say. I know. Don't get many of these for the pound nowadays. Um, it is Beat Wave, the festival that I very much enjoy that happens once a year in Hastings. It's at the Pig um, Pub in Hastings. It is all free Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this coming weekend. We're recording this on the 20th of July, so it starts tomorrow. Um, I'm doing a DJ set in the middle of the day at half past 12 on Sunday. So you can come and sit down and have a drink and enjoy my records and i am co-hosting the beat wave 
game show quiz um, at two o'clock in the afternoon where you, you again it's all free to participate if you're in the Hastings area do come along and there are it's a full audio visual experience I'm in charge of the sound effects and um, and I'm in the Richard Osman role sat on my little laptop verifying things saying very well done if you've got that one at home and um, and yeah that all the rounds are based on TV game shows so um, so if you want to come and do that it would be lovely to see you that would be lovely fun well, there we are, Juliet Harris, the Harrods of the airwaves, but available free of charge. <laughs> exactly. Stick that, stick that in your pocket, Tom Carey. Yes, indeed. Back to Bell and Sebastian to play us out, then. Well, I had to really. I've, I felt having been enthused by their music, I nearly picked Sacred Pause in the in the because I love support bands in the same way that you get a new toy for Christmas and you like the box. You see what I mean? You pick the wrong thing. But I picked this. Um, it was the last song they did at the end. Um, it, it was uh, sadly they did not have Monica Queen, who was the original guest vocalist on this. The mighty lungs of Monica Queen. But I think I, I joined Ben Sebastian. They have multiple singers and they all joined in gamely on this, having tried to impersonate Nora Jones earlier on in the evening who was not there for the song that they did with her and they did this I I just think this is one of those small town epics that was made on about 50p I think I really this sounds like it could have been a Motown record I think this is probably one of their finest moments I wish they'd have more budget to record this because I think it would have been I mean it's a mighty record anyway I really hope that this is given a full bells and whistles production one day but in the meantime Lazy Lime Painter Jane
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>